This BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now live from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Brian Logan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday October 19th, wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who desperately needs to visit the nation's capital for the first time, Brian Logan. Yeah, I've, I've never been. we got to get you to D.C. Um, I, will, I will go back as soon as Trump – oh, I will go as soon okay. as Trump – goes back. <laughs> Trump, Trump gets back here and I'm, I'm there. We're not I'm, taking the conversation there. I'm there. I'm just saying, that's what just, I got certain criteria that I need, you know, uh, I, got some, okay. I, got, I got a few checklists and that's got to be, that's the number one right there. No, I br- and, and, the, and the only. I bring up Washington, D.C. because I called an audible after the game in Waco on Saturday and at the invitation of uh, my guy Dax Milne and his older brother Dallin, Made the trip out to D.C. to catch up with those guys. Uh, Dax really making his first prominent uh, plays and at least his snaps in a home game at FedEx Field against Daniel Sorensen and Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. And just great to see a guy like Dax Milne, who was a walk-on, a walk-on at BYU, turned down a scholarship at other places, came to BYU, walked on, earned a scholarship, and now he's in the league. Brian, how cool was it to see two BYU guys Opposite sides of the ball, Dax Mill and Daniel Sorensen playing against each other in an NFL. Man, I love it. Every time really it happens, good. I love it. It's it's it is it's probably the best feeling in the world. Um, I mean, obviously to see the success on the team, but for for an alumni to to still kind of have that sense of like I'm a part of you, like I'm on the field, even though I'm not on the field, I'm on the field with you as a band of brother. Um, we both went to the same school, locker room, played on the same field. I mean, it's it's a when they have success, you yes. have success as well. So it's it's a all, all around you know great feeling. Fantastic to see Dax, Daniel, Andy Reid, all of the guys in the NFL. Uh, we're so thrilled for their success. Meanwhile, next time I go see the Washington football team playing, I'm calling you, bro. Okay. Don't call me if Trump's not in office. I'm you, Brian is accepting GoFundMe donations to get him on a plane to Washington D.C. You know what? Actually, actually, yeah, if you if if everything is paid for, <laughs> I am Yo, there. Yo, I am there. It's not even a question. I don't care. <laughs> if, I don't care if Hillary Clinton is the president. Yeah, I'm there. <laughs> Meanwhile, here's your show lineup. Okay, our political commentary quota is full for the day, <laughs> including this: a story gone viral nationally. And maybe it is political. BYU just so happens to be a part of this viral story, Brian. Not because of something the Cougars did or did not do, but because of what happened to Washington State head coach Nick Rolovich. He no longer has a job as the guy at Washington State. What does it mean for this Saturday's game? Plus, our BYU football struggles over the last two contests. More about the Cougars' inability to run on offense or... Inability to stop the run on defense. David Nixon will join us and answer that question. Bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Washington State, like Spencer just said, uh, fired head coach Nick Rolovich and four assistants yesterday after Rolovich and the assistants failed to comply with the state-mandated COVID-19 vaccine it's requirements. It's half the staff! Yes, that is half the staff. Wow, I didn't even realize that until you just said that. That is half the staff. Wowzers. 
Defensive coordinator Jake Dicker will serve as interim head coach. Uh, the assistants fired are co-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Craig Stutzman, cornerbacks coach Ron Richardson, defensive tackles coach Ricky Logo, and offensive line coach Mark Weber, who served as BYU's offensive line coach from 2007 to 2012. BYU faces Washington State Saturday at 3.30 Eastern. Hopefully they have a staff. Yes, hopefully they play the game. I know there's some legitimate concern that Things might get super weird up on the Palouse and in Pullman. Oh, with players boycotting? And there might not be a game. We'll see. Maybe. We'll see. Much more on that to come in just a moment. BYU quarterback Jaron Hall named Independent Offensive Player of the Week, according to College Sports Madness. He's thrown for now 1,205 yards total in five games, nine touchdowns, went for over 300, a career best on Saturday against Baylor. And he had that fantastic rush touchdown. Who doesn't want to see Jaron Hall run a little bit more? Because the RPO seemed to work effectively, albeit BYU still lost by 14 points in Waco. I want to see a lot of more of Jaron Hall running. Uh, BYU women's volleyball remains ranked eighth uh, in the most recent AVCA coaches poll. Cougs are now 18-1 after wins over both LMU and then number 24 Pepperdine last week. Big week. The Cougars take on San Diego at home this Friday on BYU TV and yeah. Congratulations to Connor Mance, honored again as the USTF CCCA National Athlete of the Week. Hey. It's the third time this season hey. he's been the National Athlete of the Week. Connor Mance is unbelievable. Skyview Bobcat represent. This specific award comes after he finished first in the 8K course at FSU's Florida State's Cross Country Invitational in Tallahassee with a course record 22 minutes, 47 seconds. Mm. He's also the reigning individual NCAA Division I Cross Country champion overall, Brian. That's right. You seen this kid's resume? Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. Sign him up. Brooks running, Nike running, Saucony, Adidas, Asics, whatever. They all are going to be after this guy. Everything. And he's the National Scholar Athlete of the Year. He's also smart. You know what, Connor? Why don't you just settle down a little bit, you overachiever? <laughs> That's the, uh, what I would call an uh, athlete student. It's athletic student right there. <laughs> Another athletic student uh, is BYU soccer Michaela Coolahan. Uh, she's this week's WCC Offensive Player of the Week. Uh, Coolahan had three assists and one goal for BYU against oh, Pacific on Saturday. Beautiful goal it was. We just have ballers here at Brigham. No kidding. This is what, this is what we do, man. New soccer rankings expected later today. BYU number 15 last week. We'll see if they jump up after another explosive offensive performance. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. And what better way to start What's Trending and topic one than, Brian, with our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Washington State University is the third football team on BYU's schedule this season, this season, like in the middle of the season, (laughs) to fire their head coach. Wow. Joining Georgia Southern and USC, who got rid of Clay Helton. Three head coaches mid-season on BYU's schedule. Interesting. Head coaches are gone. Interesting. They're gone, Brian. Okay, so let's get to the topic at hand, which is this Saturday, BYU is supposed to play Washington State. The Cougars are planning on going to the Northwest and 
staying on the Washington-Idaho border and playing a football game on Saturday? Is it going to happen? Brian, what effect will Nick Rolovich's firing and four of his assistant coaches have on Saturday's game? <sighs> Huge. Um, it's words. It's it's hard to describe what I think um, the type of impact this will have, and the the reason why is because this is, is very different than what we're used to hearing and seeing when when coaches get fired um, in the middle of the year. Right? I, I was a part of one in 2010 when you know the first time um, since I think the. 1400s that we lost to Utah State, right <laughs> at, at Logan. I mean, it was it was bad, approximately. And uh, on Sunday, you know, Bronco called and said, "Hey, uh, I'm taking over the defense. You know, uh, just certain things with with Coach Hill just wasn't acceptable, and hope that you have my back, right?" And, and in those situations like that, you know, we were one and four for the first time in I don't know a while, right? I mean, everything was really bad going downhill, and that change really sparked us as seniors and. Um, the entire team because it was almost kind of like a clean slate. So anything that we had done previously that was good or bad was completely thrown out the window, and it was a completely new season. It was zero. It, we were zero and zero, and and so all of the, the the potential competence that we didn't have came up, and all the doubt kind of went away. And and I think in those situations, you do get that spark, right? But this situation is different because. They already had that spark. They already had momentum. Um, and then when you look at the, the comeback win that they had, you know, this last week against Stanford, and you you look at the chemistry. I would say there's there's moments like that in sports where you can feel it off the screen and you're like, oh, this is a special moment, right? That's a special moment right there where, I mean, these kids in these games will remember that for the rest of their lives no matter what. And then to have that ripped away from you a couple of days later – um, is, is what I mean by it's completely different. Usually you agree when the coach gets fired. You're like, yeah, he sucks. I didn't like him. I didn't like him anyway. You know, I hated being around him, his breast stink, whatever the case is, right? But now it's like, man, I love, I love that dude. You know, I see him as a father figure. I see him as a mentor. Um, and for you to take him from me without, you know, him, his willingness, right? And, and, and from their perspective, how much motivation do you have Um because now you feel like, okay, I'm a part of an organization that took something from me. Why would I want to go out and perform for this organization, so to speak? And, and again, I'm, I don't know if this is how the players – this is how I would feel, um, you know, if, if, if I were in the player's situation. And, and so my, my biggest thing to me is, is how motivated will these players be? And, and like you said earlier – there, there's some rumors and things happening where it wouldn't surprise me if, if the if the if the the players felt the type of way and decided to 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 you know take this one out maybe sure. not play and I don't know we'll see but I I think it's got to be huge I hate that it has come to this and I want to re- read a quote from Washington State quarterback Jaden Delara okay and I quote words cannot express our profound sadness and disappointment in the termination of our coach, Nick Rolovich. Okay, he's using our, so this sounds like a unified statement, right? 100%. Playing for him was a great honor that all of us will cherish forever. He put trust in me and allowed me to grow as a man both on and off the field. Mm. For that reason, we strongly disagree with today's decision. Again, we, using our, this is a plural. Yep. 
who's involved in this conversation. But we also understand that Cougar football, on the Washington State side, has been bigger than any one person. We are a band of brothers who play and sacrifice for each other, no matter who the head coach is. Mm. Okay, Brian, Yep. it sounds like they want to play, mm-hmm. and they're going to be there to play on Saturday. We have never been about one person or any one name on the back of the jersey. We have been and will always be about the logo and the pride that all of us share in being part of the Cougar family. This is a very difficult time for all of us on the team. Change is always hard. What we need now more than ever is the loud and passionate support the Cougar faithful can bring to Martin Stadium. So let's pack the house on Saturday and show this entire nation the special bond that we all have as Washington State Cougars, end quote. Okay. So having heard that quote, okay. Brian, are you buying into that this is a completely unified front? This is one player, but again, using we and our. Are you buying into the I, I am. unified effort here? I am, I am buying in, especially when it's the, the quarterback, who is the leader and the face of any team and program. Uh, for him to say that, I, 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 I do believe that they're bought in. Um, they are unified, and, and they do want to play. However, however, you have four coaches gone. Yes, you half of your essentially half of your staff is gone. Your head coach, like I'm all about rallying the troops and playing hard. But when you are missing that many lieutenants and your general, yeah. and you're going onto the football battlefield, like effort and you know, coming together can only take you so far. You have the, to the, focus your efforts. I would say the relationship. So really quick, when Bronco took over, Coach Howe um, became the, the DB coach. And for a whole solid week, we had attitudes. We were mad. Okay. Maybe except for Andrew Rich. But we were mad. And I mean, like, and the reason why, because he made us run all the time. I was like, this is horrible. Yeah. I actually have to work hard at practice. This sucks. And I remember Corby, it got so bad, and like, after the first week, I was good because we won, right? And we beat San Diego, uh, which is my lifelong goal is to beat San Diego. State. San Diego so State. I was good. I was like, yay, cool. I'm good. Yeah. I'm, back, I'm back on board. But with Corby Eason, he, it got so bad. Not bad, bad, but things got a little bit weird to where in practice, Coach Howe would say, watching film, hey, Corby, you need to do X, Y, Z. And Corby would say, hey, Brian, tell Coach Howe that the reason why I did – ABC is because da, da, da. I mean it, it was funny, but it was still serious. So, so to to your point, these are new coaches that are coming in, and it's gonna take some time for, to adjust just the relationship, right? Not just the scheme. I think that's easy for them to take care of, but from a coaching standpoint, that relationship, what does that look like? How do you organize it all? Okay, with that in mind, then there's the BYU situation as we move to topic two. And the Cougars' problems up front in the trenches, both on the offensive line and the defensive line. Maybe you think it's a talent situation. The Cougars just need more depth. Well, listen to what head coach Kalani Satake said in a recent press conference about that very situation. Defensively, you need to be more physical, and that's surprising to hear. But we also need to get some guys back and some leadership to take take ownership of, of the defensive front. <clears throat> you know, we... We played a lot more physical in other games, and so it'd be nice to get some guys back and, and back to normal form, which means that they bring that, that physical mindset to the line of scrimmage. And so that we need that on offense, and we obviously need it on defensive line as well. I mean, the offense and defensive line. That's something that I'm, I want to own as a, co- as a coach. I, I want to have our presence felt. Our identities that O-line, D-line need to show up for us to have a chance. Okay, Kalani taking on some of the onus, certainly as the head coach. He wants to own it, he said. 
But Brian, then the real passion comes out. Okay, listen to this next soundbite from BYU football head coach Kalani Satake about what needs to change now. All three phases can improve, and and I think the ones that get most of the most of the uh, attention is the offense and defense, and those two phases need to improve. And we need to see it now. I need to see it now, and it needs to happen today. So, um, really frustrated that that the performance. Uh, I mean, Baylor might have been a better team and might have won the game, but it should not have looked like that to me up front. And that's where it's got to change. The head ball coach is never going to point to injuries or guys being nicked up and bruised. And even though the defensive line has gone through their issues with injuries and the front seven, for that matter, with Keenan Peely being out for the season essentially since week two, but he's never going to point to the injuries, Brian. And the Cougars' offensive line, which was so good for the first five games, has been pushed around against Boise State, certainly got pushed around by the Baylor defensive front. So my question for you is, is it a bigger issue that BYU hasn't been able to run the ball, or is the bigger issue the inability to stop the run over the two losses? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to I'm a point the, I'm a point the finger. I'm going to point the finger at the offense. Um, yeah, I, would say, I would say both. And... I think from a strategic standpoint, offensively, it's it's just getting Jaron back healthy so he can run. He just I, I, he he is a completely different player than what we saw uh, in the beginning of the season. And and when you look at the stats and you look at his numbers and you look at the dynamic plays and something that's not accounted for is the momentum swings, right? Like that's it sucks as a defense when you when you when you're balling out and then you see the quarterback run down the field and you're like, dang man, it's not it's really nothing you could do about it. That kind of sucks the energy out, you know, out of the, the defense on the, on the defensive side. So J- Jaron doesn't look, you know, comfortable to me as far as wanting to run. I th- I think you. Call more plays, and I think the open the, the running game opens up, and I think they're right back to where they were. You know, honestly, from a defensive standpoint, man, it just it just looks like injuries. I know Kalani's not going to say it because he he doesn't want to point fingers. For, from a defensive standpoint, it looks like there's a, a drop off, man. I mean, and 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 we talk about depth, and and we talk about how BYU's twos have gotten rotation, things like that. But as the season goes on and guys get more and more banged up, you're starting to see them getting pushed around more and more and more. So evidently, we're, we're starting to, to see how big of an impact that BYU's depth is on, on the defensive line. So if you if you couple you know, depth and you couple experience or lack of experience and maybe um, you know, technique, you're going to get pushed off the ball like you saw against Baylor. It's difficult to watch – when the team you root for just gets bullied on both sides of the ball. I mean, it really was bully ball by Baylor against BYU, and that's hard to watch. However, while Kalani won't point to the injuries, we do need to be fair to the situation. Everybody on that defensive front that was an original starter of the season, Brian, has faced significant time away, missed games whether it's one or multiple, but significant time. Tyler Batty was banged up. He had to sit out. Lorenzo Falatea didn't make the trip to Baylor. He had to sit out. He's hoping to play this week. We'll see. Yep. Uh, tonight, Samahe has missed a game and a little bit more. Keenan Peely, your top linebacker, according to BYU's defensive coordinator, Lysa Tuiaki, has been out since week two. Those guys do a lot of things. Okay, So, yeah, BYU needs more depth. 
Where are the Kairos Tongas of the world? Yeah. BYU needs edge rushers that can get to the quarterback when – and not not just the first-teamers. They need guys that can come in because they're rotating in yeah. guys left and right. Like, it's line changes constantly to keep legs fresh. Mm-hmm. So when the majority of your defensive line are walk-ons against that Baylor front, should we be surprised at what happened? Not at all. It's a hard lesson, right? Yeah, it's, it's a hard lesson. Yeah, it's it it's it sucks. But, I mean, there's it's really nothing else you can say about it except for this is what we have and this is what we got to go with at the end of the, at sure. the during the day. BYU certainly needs to be better, and there are always things they can do to be better and change. And Kalani Satake touched on that. He spoke on that passionately. You just heard him. But there is this necessity to bring in more talent. And the lifeblood of any program is recruiting, Brian. Yep. And we want to build the depth. That, that's what you're going to have to do. 100%. So it's going to take uh, everything for this BYU defensive line and offensive line to push forward and find success against those elite-level Power 5 teams. All right, our question of the day. Is it a bigger issue that BYU hasn't been able to run the ball or stop the run in the back-to-back losses against Boise State and Baylor. Let's hear from you, BYUSN, in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. JT Lamoro answers on Twitter, stopping the run. The BYU offense has proven it can move the ball through the air, certainly. Jaron Hall had a 300-plus yard performance both games. The problem was BYU's defense couldn't get off the field. Stopping the run on defense Gives more chances for the offense to score. Yeah, I mean, it you can't be- give up 300 plus rushing yards and expect to win a football game. No, and you also, I mean, you also can't turn the ball over, you know, four times either and, and against Boise State. Yeah, yeah. against Boise and expect to win um, as well. It, it goes both ways. I, I I feel like the offense, looking at the the beginning of the season till now, the to me the offense is the strength of this team. When the offense is clicking and getting first downs, converting, um, and scoring points. Life is good. Life is good, man. So I put it on the offense. Uh, Coming up, Spencer has a new favorite team for BYU's bowl opponent. Bring it on. The Washington football team. (laughs) (laughs) Not sure that can work. Plus, former BYU and NFL linebacker David Nixon on whether he thinks the bigger issue is on the offense or defensive side of the ball for the Cougars. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. After further review, breaks down the Baylor game. Watch as Dave McCann, Uncle B, and David Nixon break down the film. AFR is available tonight on the BYU TV app at 7 p.m. Eastern. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside the man we call Belo. Brian Logan, and we're about to bring in a guy named D. Nix, David Nixon. Guys that know a thing or two about what it means to play at BYU and what it means to play in a big-time game on the national stage. So, David, first and foremost, it's always wonderful to have you in studio. Thanks for being with us. Glad to be here. It's been a minute. Man, you know, I, it feels good to be right? on camera and on set with, with, with my man. It's been too long, man. It's like, like last time we were on together, I think Moses part of the Red Sea, man. It's been, it's been a, a minute. Year or two after that. It's, 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 year or two after that. Yeah. <laughs> it's been hey, a You minute, call so this affectionately Band of Brothers or Bob? Bob this this yeah. is Bob personified, this, this right? Is, this is the Bob's right, right here. Although, although we hand. never, although we never played together, doesn't matter. But we're part of that fraternity. Exactly. 100%. <laughs> okay. Well, as part of the fraternity, Brian and I were just talking about how frustrating it was to watch BYU at Baylor on Saturday and just 
the lack of push at the line. So, David, was the outcome of the Baylor game more about talent gap or was it more of missed assignments, uh, lack of skill? What do you think? So I'll say this. I went back and watched the whole game last night, actually. And it is both. Unfortunately, I hate to say this because it pains me, but it was mostly talent gap, frankly. Mm-hmm. The, the way that Baylor's offensive line pushed around BYU's defensive line, frankly, the front seven, uh, that's a talent gap. And, and, and I'd say that because if it's missed assignments, it's every other play. Maybe it's a play every three downs. There's a missed assignment. A guy's not in the right gap. Um, something's going on. But it was play in and play out. I mean, they averaged, uh, I think it was over, what, five yards, six yards a carry. Uh, and so, you know, you, you rewind that to the other games, and BYU's given up only, you know, three, four yards per carry. But this, yeah. was, this was six plus. And so, for me, watching the film, it, it pretty much solidified the idea that, that Baylor was just much better up front. And that's on both sides of the ball. I think it stands out more against Baylor's O-line versus BYU's D-line. Uh, but you look at the BYU's offense line, they struggled blocking Baylor's front seven all afternoon long. And so, um, unfortunately, the talent gap, fortunately, we know that there's some injuries and, and we're getting guys back. I hate blaming stuff on injuries. And Brian right, knows this. Yeah, we talk about yeah. this all the time. Yeah. You hate blaming stuff on injuries because everyone deals with injuries, especially this far in the season, right? Yeah. If in the first few games you're dealing with injuries, then, yeah, you can maybe blame it on that. But we're so far in the season now that everyone's got to have depth. Uh, but BYU's got a couple of years, as we know, to get right into the Big 12. They better build some depth there because uh, that was ugly. And, and that was the, the, the thing when I watched the film. Because I, I, I didn't watch the game film. Um, just on TV, it was like three, four yards, you know, the offensive line for Baylor was, was pushing the defensive line for BYU back. And I'm like, that, to me, looks like more talent than – you know, actual misassignments and, and, and kind of gap integrity. Um, but I also thought to myself, well, there's got to be a lot of guys injured because when you look at the first couple of games or the, the, the big, uh, you know, Power Five games that BYU won, Utah, um, Arizona State, Arizona, you didn't see that problem at all. So how much of a talent gap is it from, you know, the, the starters to the, 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 the twos? Yeah, I think, I think there's a big talent gap. But I also think, frankly, it's a competition. I really do think Baylor's the best offensive line BYU face all season yes. long. And, and they expose BYU because of injuries as well. Um, but I'll say this, too, when you, when you go back and watch the film, we'll talk about this more on AFR today. Uh, but a lot of it also was the fact that uh, guys were trying to do, you know, too much. Mm. And, and, we, and defensively, we know this. So everyone has run fits, right? Yep. And the safety knows that, okay, the backer's going to be outside, so I've got to fit inside. All right, what happened this game was Baylor was just gashing BYU's defense to the point where guys started jumping out of gaps because mm-hmm. they felt like they needed to do more. And that's the exact opposite. Oftentimes when you're getting beat up, yeah. you're like, okay, well, my guys behind me aren't making plays. I've got to go make a play. And so next thing you start doing something outside your own job. And guess what? Now you got guys stacking in the wrong gaps together, uh, and you get exposed. And that happened, I, could count, I, count probably, I counted six or seven times, where, where backers were coming up, they, they peek inside and they jump mm-hmm. outside. In the meantime, the safety thought he was going inside, so he yeah. jumped outside, yeah. and you got the C-gap wide open. So, uh, you know, when you're struggling, you gotta, it's almost like you need to go opposite. You need to be more assignment sound yeah. uh, and just hunker down. But, um, you know, you saw Kalani's sound bite there. He, he's, he's frustrated uh, with, with how they played. He's never going to point to injuries. He, now, and you can't. That, that, yeah. you can't, you can't everyone's, like I said, everyone's dealing with it. So I guarantee it's a point of emphasis this week. It's also a mindset. Uh, whenever you get beat that bad, you come into work on Monday, uh, yesterday, with a different mindset saying, hey, this is our week. We, we gotta, we've got to kind of man back up. We, we were, our pride was taken a little, a little bit from us this last yeah. game, right? They shoved it right down our throats. 
Uh, so you take it personally, and hopefully these guys rebound this week against Washington State and come out the bar. I, I've been a couple. I've been a part of a couple games like this where I, I would actually take a lot of ownership in the loss sure. and so some really big plays that I gave up. And I was so thankful that when we came in on Monday, Coach Hill and Coach Minnow, I was like, we're not watching this film. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Please. Burn it. Trash it. Please. Burn it. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not sure if it was that bad of a game um, to do, but I almost felt like this was one of those ones where it's like, yo, we got whooped. It's okay. Um, let's reset. And like, like, like you said, Spencer, let's burn it and let's move on. Okay, so I, I don't know what happened from the looks of it. Kalani did not burn it. Yeah. He watched it again and again and again, and he's really upset, and I get it. You know, I mean, you're the head ball coach. You started 5-0. and But this isn't just something that happened against Baylor. David, this happened against Boise State, a team that was ranked 105th in rushing coming into the game in Provo, and Boise State got a push consistently against BYU and were able to run the ball effectively. And what do they do? They turn around, they lose to Air Force at home. You know, so that loss stings. Yeah, and, and, and I'll say this. In Elisa Tuyaki mentioned yesterday, uh, watching the film as well, it's pretty evident that BYU misses Keenan Peely yes. a, a lot. I was just going to say, okay, your best linebacker in the middle is gone. Let's, so let's just say if Keenan Peely is there and Tyler Batty is playing 100% and Atunai Samahe is 100% and not banged up and Lorenzo Fauateo is playing, he didn't make the trip to Baylor. Let's say all those guys are good to go and they're at Baylor. What changes in that game? Does, how much of a difference would that have made? I think it makes a big difference. Does BYU win that game? I don't know. I think if Baylor would eventually just continue to grind on him. Uh, but I think it makes a huge difference only because Keenan Peely is just an anchor on that defense. And we talk about guys being the wrong fits or trying to do too much. When you have that continuity defensively with guys healthy, starters that have been there all season, you know where each other are going. And, and I remember playing this. Kellen Fowler was my safety. And, and I remember we knew – that sometimes I wasn't going to be in my right gap. I was going to try and take a, take a gamble, right? And I was going to jump outside and try to make a tackle. Mm-hmm. But he knew, he, it was almost like a sixth sense. He knew that I was going to be going outside because we played together for so long that he knew, okay, I'm going to fit inside, right? And so you start to – I mean, that's what practice is for. That's yep. why you spend spring ball and fall ball together because you learn each other's tendencies. And, and if you have a guy like Keenan Peely and Fautea, these guys that have been mainstays, that have been there all season – then the players behind them, and everyone knows what, basically what they're going to do, right? They can anticipate what they're going to do. And right now, that's not the case. You've got Chaz Ayu that's all of a sudden switched to linebacker. Uh, it was pretty evident from the game, too. He's still not comfortable at that spot. Yeah. Um, and, and so it was just, man, it was a tough game to watch. Guy, guys were on skates. And we say, when we say on skates, it means you're just getting pushed out of your gaps. Uh, guys weren't being physical enough. They weren't button pressing. They weren't getting separation. And they were catching blocks. And, that, I mean, you add all those together, and then you have guys going outside and do, outside their own job and wrong gaps. It's a recipe for disaster. And, uh, I mean, I, frankly, you're almost surprised that they didn't rush for more, rush for 400, uh, because they, they completely control the line of scrimmage. With that being said, there were some plays. There were some bright spots in the game that BYU stopped them. I remember one play in particular, uh, Max Tully came up and did a fantastic job of holding the edge and had a tackle for loss on the sideline. And so there's some good things you can take away from it. But, uh, yeah, this film is one of those ones that whether you burn it or whether you watch it 100 times, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt, and you've got to learn from the mistakes because it's, it's a short memory, right? You turn yeah. around, and you've got another game in, in six days and, and on the road again, another afternoon game, which has not boded well for BYU in the last few Just weeks. don't wear Navy, according to most fans. <laughs> don't wear the Navy helmets. Don't, don't wear the Navy helmets at this point. Burn, burn that instead of the film. I, I would say burn it. And, you know, for the, for the guys, you got to look yourself in the, in, the, in the mirror, eye to eye, and say, look, you know what? 
God makes people better than others, and he gives others talents and certain other people other ta- talents, and I got my butt whooped. It's okay. It's, I look myself in the eye and say, I'm, I man up, and, I'm, I, and I take this whooping, and I'm going to turn things around. And, um, and, 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 you know, what Spencer said as far as the last two weeks is kind of concerning to me because you, you see, you know, a little bit of a pattern. There's Obviously, there's problems in the trenches, both offensively and, and on the defensive side. Which, which one are you more concerned about? For me, it's the defensive line. I mean, offensively, you're, you're missing Harris LeChance, Joe Tukwa for this last game, and you've got two young cats starting in those spots, right? And so they got exposed. Um, I, I think that can be fixed via injury. Sounds like hopefully BYU has those guys back this week, according to Aaron Roderick. He, he was hoping they, they, those yeah. line would be back, Tukwa and, uh, and uh, Harris LeChance. Uh, defensively, is the one that, that worries me a little bit, um, just because I know you had Lorenzo Fautea out, uh, but Billy had Batty, they had Mahe, they had Summers. I mean, they had a lot of other guys there. I know they're banged up, but uh, they, they had some other guys there. So, and, and, and I think the other thing that worries me is even the backers uh, struggled. I mean, getting off blocks yeah. and, and separating and winning their one-on-one. And that's the thing that is most discouraging is all the one-on-one battles were won by Baylor. Even when you go back to the secondary, the 50-50 balls yeah. up in the air, won by Baylor, right? Uh, and so and that, that, that kind of shows the talent gap. Right. At the end of the day, I mean, football and we hear the guys say all the time, my 111, then if everybody's doing their job, you know, you should come out successful um, on the play. But at the very end of the day, if you're in the trenches on the gap, one on one with a running back about to make a tackle or a jump ball, it's one on one. Right. And, and if you're not winning those, there's really not much you can do from a team perspective that could help you out. So, for example, you know, obviously I'm I'm. Five six, right? So Bronco will call a lot of plays that would cover me. So I'd have somebody over the top, somebody you know um, in front of me, put me in a lot of cover two situations where I didn't have to, you know, be in a position where I'm going one on one with the six five. Right, exactly. You, okay, you said it. Get, get it, get it, Moss. Um, and 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 so if you um, you know you could have certain play calls and certain schemes to kind of protect your 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 guys and your teammates. And I think with BYU in the past, we know that. We're not the most talented group of individuals, and so schemes kind of make up for it. But I felt like this, this, there's certain games, <laughs> the schemes really can't, you know, make up for it. And so I guess my, my question is, is it concerning that it's a, it's, it's a talent gap, or is it more of, uh, you know, these guys will, will get more experience and, and, you know, close that gap? Well, yeah. I think the ideology has changed a little bit, too. I feel like on the outside, they feel like they can run with yeah. anybody. They right. want to play a lot of man. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. I, listen, I, the sky's not falling. It, 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 I don't think this program is going to crap all of a sudden. I, I, think, I think we have great talent here. We just got exposed. BYU got exposed in this last game. And, and now, so when you face a scheme similar to Baylor – who's going to run the ball. And that's the other problem yeah. is we have so much success to run the ball. We saw the backers were sucking up. And so the, the, the quick slants over the middle were wide open because the backers, you know, they were getting six, seven yards a pop on the, on the ground. So, um, you know, you stop the run or at least you make it so they're only averaging two or three yards and it changes the whole game plan. So I'm, I'm not worried about this team. I, I think they'll rebound. They've got, we've got good players. We've got enough players that we yeah. beat, you know, three Pac-12 opponents. Right. Um, the question is, can they rally around each other and can they use this as motivation or do they take in and say, man, we, maybe we're not as good as we thought we were, right? I mean, how does BOU spin this? And that's up to coach, you know, head coach Kalai Sataki to, to rally the troops and say, guys, it looked bad, but we know we're capable. Yeah. Uh, and so let's go out there, put a better game plan together, and you guys go out there and actually <laughs> execute it right. uh, up to the, the standards you guys can. Well, and who knows what BYU is going to see in Pullman on the Palouse because they're missing their head coach and half their staff. 
But uh, that's what the rest of the week is to talk about, right? right. You know? Right. Holy yeah. That's what we have the rest of the week for. David, great to have you on the set. We look forward to after further review. Yeah, always fun. Thanks, guys. Coming up, Jaron Jordan sits down with BYU offensive lineman Clark Barrington. And is BYU basketball the third best team in the West Coast Conference? First. Who would dare say such a thing? This is BYU Sports Nation. First bestest. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. You can consider the latest BYU SN right now a way of skipping to the good parts from the past weekend. And check it out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. He is Brian Logan. I am Spencer Linton. This is BYU Sports Nation on a Tuesday. To interact with the show and get content throughout the day, follow us on our social media platforms. There are five major ones, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Let's whip it! The Cougar Whip Around presented by Visible Supply Chain Management tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. I'm still waiting for the Pinterest um, account to come up. Talk, hey. talk to uh, Jerem Jordan. <laughs> I'm talking to you, Spencer. Listen, since Nick uh, Rolovich firing last night, the Vegas line for the game has jumped from BYU as one as a one-point favorite to a 3.5 favorite. Uh, does this make you more or less confident? I don't need a line from our friends in the desert to make me feel more confident or less confident about a game. I, I can see the situation for what it is right now, and that is utter chaos in Pullman. Yes. You don't have your head coach. The offensive coordinator that's been calling the plays for the last three weeks, all wins, by the way, for Washington State. They were playing some good ball. He's gone. gone. Okay. Former BYU offensive line coach Mark Weber, he's gone. The emotional core of your team and the brains behind your offense are gone, Brian. Yeah. So while Washington State still has the athletes, they still have good players, and it's going to be a home game, and maybe the fans rally. They don't have their generals and lieutenants in place to focus the energies and organize the troops. Troops can only rally for so long before you need some sort of organization and direction. Yeah. So I don't, I don't need a three-and-a-half-point favor for BYU to tell me, oh, you should feel more confident. Until I find out what the coaching situation is for Washington State and it's better, then then I'm feeling good about BYU's chances to end their two-game losing. I don't think I don't think a situation could be better. I don't. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's it's bad. It stinks. I hate this for the athletes. Yeah, for sure. I hate this for Washington State University. Yeah, it's dumb. And, and I'm taking all the politics out of it. I hate that it has come to this. Yeah. And that they're losing their coach. I agree. It with stinks you, for that team. It does. It does. It's yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I really like what the quarterback said as far as rallying around each other um, and playing for the logo. I mean, right now there's a north star for them to focus on, right? Which is, which is the actual university, not just one person. Can they overcome their head coach and their play caller being gone? That's a lot to ask. We'll see. BYU is projected to play Marshall in the Independence Bowl, according to our friend Brett McMurphy. Uh, Brian, how do you feel about BYU Marshall in the Independence Bowl? Oh, man, this is really hard because I thought we were going to a New Year Six. <laughs> <laughs> it's like anything else is disappointing to me. I mean, like my expectations, I was like, yo, just make it to a bowl game. And then after the first couple weeks, I'm like, yo, we going to the New Year Six game. I got to start saving right now. If I save $20 right now. For the next week, I could I could potentially yeah. get a, a ticket. I mean, I was in. I was ready to go, man. Listen, I, I know I've been on the <laughs> let BYU play an undefeated Coastal Carolina, have a vengeance match, have that Ooh. fun. I like that. That's good. 
There's another team that I would throw into the mix. And ESPN owns a bunch of bowl games. Last I checked, it was like 16. If there are some spots that are open, they have the capability to maneuver teams around. And BYU could still face a team like Coastal Carolina in the Independence Bowl. But what about UTSA? 7-0. BYU played them last year. It was a close game. They're number 24. Ooh, the Roadrunners okay. in BYU. It, give me an undefeated ranked team. Let's go. Oh, yeah, that's that, that'll be our New Year Six. And, you know, ESPN can do whatever they want to do. You saw what they did with um, Oklahoma and Texas. So it could happen. Um, in the initial Kimpom rankings, BYU at 38th is the third best WCC team behind Gonzaga, who is first. Okay, not surprising. And San Francisco, who is wait, 34th. Wait, San Francisco? Yep, San Francisco. BYU is behind San Francisco in the Kimpom rating. Are you buying the Dons as a top three WCC team this year? I think I just answered it with my intonation and my questioning. No. Negative. I've seen this movie several times before. San Francisco has a great basketball tradition, and they've had several good teams. Their coaching staff is competent. They are not better than BYU this year with what BYU brought into the transfer portal specifically. Seneca Knight, T. John Lucas joining Alex Barcelo. Come on now. BYU is the second best team, and the Kempom ratings will eventually show that. The disrespect. It's disrespect. It's statistics. Put some, res- put some respect. It's statistics, largely. Put some respect on my university, please. The stats will show it eventually. Coming up, Top 5 Tuesday throws it back to 1990. Ooh, let's go. Plus, how does BYU make the change up front this week? We'll discuss on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU football with Klein Stocky airs tonight. The show is available on demand on the BYU TV app, and that's beginning at 8.30 Eastern. Run, Jaron, run. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. Now, earlier, we played for you a few comments from BYU head football coach Kalani Sitake, and frankly, I want to bring it back up again because it's a loaded conversation. Um, this is Coach Satake again from yesterday talking about what the offensive line and defensive lines need to change and change now. All three phases can improve, and, and I think the ones that get most of the, most of the uh, attention is the offense and defense, and those two phases need to improve. And we need to see it now. I need to see it now, and it needs to happen today. So I'm um, really frustrated that, that – the performance. Uh, I mean, Baylor might have been a better team and might have won the game, but it should not have looked like that to me up front. And that's where it's got to change. So I guess my next question is how much can it change up front from one week to the next? When we've talked about the injuries, we've talked about the personnel situation for BYU, who's even going to be available. We saw a couple of got more guys go down in the game against Baylor. Jacob Palu, Gabe Summers, are they going to be available? Brian, who's going to be available on the defensive line? So while Coach Satake is frustrated, and again, like he should be, BYU got bullied, they got pushed around. Mm -hmm. Who's available and how much can it change against Washington State? If Lorenzo Fauté is back, I mean, what, what kind of a difference can BYU put out there if they play a perfect game and their skills and their gap assignments are sound? Like, how, how much are we going to see? I mean, it can be a completely, you know, different team. And again, going back to 2010 when Bronco took over, right, um, the way that we practice and our approach to practice was completely different. 
uh, he introduced for the first time to us uh, something that's called perfect tens. And what we had to do was, for the, this is for the defense, every time um, your opponent scored, so if somebody scored 30 points, 50 points on you, whatever the case was, that's how many perfect tens you had to run. And the goal was to line up, uh, everybody go down at the same time, and then, and then sprint. And if we didn't do it perfectly, we had to do it again. So no lie, after we had lost to TCU, um, we gave up 30, 31 points. We practiced for, four, for three days straight. It, was, it wasn't until Wednesday where we finally started going against T, the scout team and TCU you know, offense and install. That should have happened on, on Monday. But because we didn't do the perfect tens perfectly, we had, to, we had to wait until Wednesday. And so what happened from that moment on, um, Coach Mendenhall said, okay, every time the ball – pra- it's in practice. Every time the, the ball crosses the line of scrimmage on the run play, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a tally. I mean, that's a sprint after practice. Every time a ball is completed uh, over five yards, that's a tally. So we said, okay, we're, this, is, this, is, this is crazy because obviously, like, they're going to cross and, and they're going to get completion. So we said, if we get a takeaway, give us five points off. And it, every time we get a tackle for a loss, um, give us two points off. And he was like, okay, deal. Now, check this out. We all know that during the week, you just have shoulder pads and helmets on. Sometimes you just have helmets on. We were fully tackling. I'm not lying to you. I'm not lying. We were fully tackling on Friday because we weren't trying to run sprint. This is supposed to be a walkthrough. We were like, Mm-mm. nope. I, we start. It got Spencer. It got so bad. We started wearing full pads. The scout team started wearing full pads, and we started wearing full pads because we were like, look, we ain't trying to run, man. We're not. We, we're not. We're not running at all. And when you look at the game and and how this. The, the, the play and the physicality changed. What you saw in the game from when Bronco took over was exactly what you saw at practice. Sure. Every coach has their tactics about getting the most out of their players. Bronco and his tactics will visit BYU when Virginia comes to Provo and they play on October 30th. Bundle up. It's going to be cold night game for Virginia at BYU. What does Kalani Satake do? What are his tactics? We right. know he's obviously frustrated and fired up. How can he get the most out of his team? You know what? The opponent's going to have a lot to do with why BYU is going to look better this week. 100%. Okay? 100%. He'll get more effort, but the opponent is not Baylor. It's Washington State, and they're dealing with their own situation. So it'll be automatically be better based on the level of opponents. I am a living testimony that it can happen that fast. Things okay. can turn around in a week. Better play, worse opponent. Fingers crossed that that means a better result for BYN. They end the two-game losing streak. All right, what's coming up? Coming up, a rise and shout-out to a national figure. First name, Hillary. Last name, Clinton. (laughs) (laughs) And a throwback Top 5 Tuesday as we look back at one of the more wild and forgotten comebacks in BYU football history. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation, always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Alongside Brian Logan, I'm Spencer Linton. It's time for Top 5 Tuesday Throwback Edition. As we look back, presented by Delta Airlines at BYU's comeback win against Washington State in 1990. The week after BYU beat number 1 Miami. People forget about this comeback. Let's go. Top 5 Tuesday. At number 5, Brian. Matt Bellini. Breaks loose for a 31-yard catch and run. 
Okay, let's one defender ride him for a couple of yards. Shakes off another, drags three Washington State Cougars with him. Bellini was Detmer's top target on the day. Had 10 catches, 121 yards. That was a bad man. He was good against Miami, too. Wow, that's that's, that's kind of embarrassing as a DB to get dragged a little <laughs> bit. You, you've seen Little Giants? That's what that reminds me of. <laughs> Great movie. Underrated. Number four. Right after BYU scores their second touchdown. Again, they were down 29-7 at the half. Dave Porter comes flying into level. Tony Salter on the kick return. Boom! Ooh. Okay. BYU sending the message. Still down 29-14 at that point. That's a targeting nowadays. But the hard hit sends a message. Yeah, maybe. That's a, right? No, no, no. no. Right? It, that's definitely a target. Cougars needed some juice to help claw their way back. That gets it started. Different game back then. Number three. Under 12 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Ty Detmer. Andy Boyce, where are you? Oh, there you are. 32-yard touchdown. Look at that window. Washington State called for pass interference on the play. Didn't matter. I didn't, Boyce. Know, I didn't know. I didn't know Andy has speed like uh-huh. that. Uh huh. Boyce was he was the precision guy. He was your precision route runner. Okay, and he had great hands. And, and if he dropped that anyway, it was going to be a yeah, PI. Ty Detmer is your quarterback. Goodness. He went over the century mark. 113 receiving yards. Okay, number two, Stacy Corley. This dude was a monster. Takes the pass from Detmer. It's tied at 29. How does he get in? But he does. Nice. Mike Salito, a big block right there on the outside to clear the way for Corley. BYU takes the lead, 36-29. Okay, number one. After Washington State drives the field to tie it at 36, BYU answers right back. Peter Tui-Pelotu breaks four tackles, making it look easy on his way. 22-yard game-winning score. BYU had one more touchdown. They went 50 to 36. They were down 29 to 7, and they won 50 to 36. They scored 36 points in the fourth quarter. This is, this is when the altitude helps you out a lot. Okay. Because you see a lot of missed tackles. Yeah. You know, uh, guys are usually tired by that point. Ari Lee, voice of the day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. Jonathan Floyd on Twitter says, bigger issue stopping the run. A runaway furniture dolly could have averaged four and a half yards per carry in that Baylor game. <laughs> Killing BYU's time of possession and back-to-back games. Our offense hasn't been on the field enough to make a difference. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. It's about Connor Mance, the runner, Brian. You yes, cool with that? Definitely. definitely. All right. Athletic student. Um, sorry to, to Dennis Pitta. We have time for you today. For Brian, I'm Spencer. <laughs> Shout out to Mike Salito. After further review, BYU Football with Kalani Satake live on the app tonight. Go Cougs.